Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, it's Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I must admit, I have not been here in a long time. I took a little bit of the summer off in terms of the podcast, and I am back now for you. I am here. There's a whole bunch of amazing episodes coming your way, and I just wanted to welcome you back and also welcome me back. And um, I thought it would be wonderful to kick off uh, this episode with a feature. I highlighted such a great book and I did it for the Recovery Today magazine. And I thought I would share it here because, oh my gosh, so many times when you love someone with an addiction, you are so depleted, you feel overwhelmed, you feel exhausted, you just, you know, it's just so hard. Um, So this book that I highlighted is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And I just am so thrilled to share this with you because I hope it helps you. I hope it helps you in so many ways because this book written by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski is a groundbreaking book that really explains why we experience burnout burnout and how we can do things a little differently based on science. And science can help us in so many ways, minimize our stress, help us manage emotions and actually live a more joyful life. So I am so excited. This is a recording that I have made previously for the Recovery Today magazine, and I'm so excited to share it with you here. But please stay tuned. Every week I will be coming with some wonderful content for you to help support you on this journey uh, in life, especially when you are loving someone with an addiction. It is and can be quite challenging. I've been there. I know what it's like. And that is why we're here. You're not alone. And the struggle is real, but we're here to help you take back your power and focus on you and help you to feel as resilient and able to bounce back as much as possible. So here we go. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing amazing. I highlighted such a wonderful book and today we're going to talk all about burnout, the secret to solving the stress cycle. So burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion. And it can be caused by certain things of prolonged stress, just general overwhelm, feeling emotionally drained, or just unable to meet the demands that are placed on you. So I bet you've experienced burnout. I know I have. It's just when you feel completely exhausted and just at your wits end and you're kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, like this is terrible. So burnout is 
it can be accompanied rather by many things such as like physical health problems, um, just general strain. It can affect your health in many, many ways. And you just feel and you don't function as well as you could be. And it can be really hard, right? It's hard to function in your everyday life when you're feeling burnt out, when you're feeling exhausted and depleted. So it can, ha- it can happen on so many levels. So people who feel burnt out generally feel empty. They feel exhausted and unable to cope with the demands that life is placing on you. So I love this idea because this book called Burnout, The Secret to Solving the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. They're sisters actually, and they created this groundbreaking book that explains why people experience burnout. And they actually provide us with science-based, science-backed plan to help minimize stress and manage our emotions so that we can live a more joyful, well life. So we're going to delve in. So sisters, Emily um, and Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, they help us know and understand that the cycle of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted is actually quite common. And this is what makes us human. So, but they give us wonderful ways that instead of ignoring all these obstacles in life and ignoring the bad things, it's like bad things are going to happen. Challenges are going to happen in our life. And what they do is they actually teach us how we can navigate these real obstacles and these real societal pressures that actually stand between us and our well-being. So they explain that, you know what, we can be compassionate about this. We can be optimistic and we can stand up to this. And they really show us how to fight back um, so that burnout cannot be a thing for us or as common. So burnout really does address the question of how can we love our body? And, you know, even though every single magazine in the world is convincing us that we're not good, it teaches us about, you know, how can we lean in when there's like 110, we're already giving 110%, how can we do more? It teaches us about, you know, how we can live happily, um, when we live in a society that puts so much pressure on us, right? Maybe making us feel, especially for women, uh, maybe too fat, maybe too needy, maybe noisy, maybe selfish. Um, And there's sometimes a lot of pressure from our society and how to measure up. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, we gotta be super mom. We gotta run a career. We've gotta, you know, all these things, be a really good spouse. Um, And it's really hard. It can put a lot of pressure on us. So let's delve in and discover the scientifically proven method for dealing with stress and society's unreal expectations of us. And let's be real, those news feeds, those those, um, social media is not always representative of what's going on in people's lives, right? Those people that look so put together, they're working really hard to be put together like that. And I'm sure they're not always put together. So Now, this is what we're going to do. Guess what? We're going to run for our life. Now, this sounds really funny, but they talk about in their book, this idea of the stress cycle. So what you can do is basically when you are under pressure or stress, the best thing that we can do is close the stress cycle. So we have to complete the biological stress cycle and return our body to a state of relaxation. So stress can be really dangerous and terrible and damaging on our bodies. So it's important to 
always close this stress cycle. We tend to get stuck in emotions of stress. We tend to get stuck in, you know, this place that feels uncomfortable when we feel pressure and overwhelm and anxiety and like just anxious. And so this idea is, is that we want to close the stress cycle. So we tend to get stuck in that emotion of stress. So this can be dangerous for our health. So stress is a neurological and physiological response that's triggered by a perceived threat. So when we feel threatened, um, we have a neurological response as well as a physiological response to deal with that perceived stress threat. The problem is nowadays it's chronically activated. So all this neurological and hormonal response that comes from stress are designed to make us do one thing. And guess what that is? It's run. It's designed to make us run for our life. So stress gets wired into us when there's a perceived threat. The thing that we're supposed to do is basically run, you know, get out of there. And so the stress cycle starts by releasing this hormone of epinephrine, norepinephrine, corticosteroids, cortisol, all these hormones for a rush and push blood into our muscles. And as a result, our blood pressure and heart rate go up and our muscles tense, our breath quickens. It's also that we can run when we're under this this stress response. It's basically that expression like haul ass away from whatever that theoretical challenging and charging lion or rhinoceros. And so we're wired to do this. So our body then shuts down functions such as growth, such as cell repair, such as digestion, reproduction, and even immunity. They're all slowed down when we're in that stress response. You've heard of that, right? Fight or flight, but there's also fight, flight, or freeze. And so in modern society, all these pressures that we endure on a regular basis they're chronic, they're over and over. And I I don't know like what situation you're in, but when I loved someone with an addiction, holy cow, I was in that stress response on a regular basis. And uh, it, it can be damaging. We know stress is damaging. So there's chronic activation. So the danger, there's damage with the dangers that stress, like, you know, stress brings this chronic high blood pressure, higher risk of heart disease, compromised immune system, digestive system upset. And even we won't heal as quickly because our immune system is pushed, is, is shut down and, and closed down when we're in the stress response. So there's higher risk of digestion related illnesses as well. You can see how stress negatively impacts us, especially chronic stress. So all this means one thing, we need to close this stress cycle. And they talk about it within this book, as often as possible, we need to close this stress cycle. So stress is about running for your life. Now I know what you're thinking, do I have to run to close this stress cycle? I'm like you, I'm not a runner. I actually get itchy legs, itchy arms. So this idea is, is that we want to close the stress cycle. Stress is about running for your life. So the natural ending of this stress cycle is that you're going to arrive home safely after running for your life. So knowing what to do to close this stress cycle is going to be key for you. So let's talk about that. All right, so closing the stress cycle is the key. So sisters, Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, they talk about the importance of this stress cycle and closing it. So the good news is though, is that we don't have to just do it by running. That's the general thing, like, you know, moving, it's almost like 
um, they say that energy, emotion, emotion is like getting the emotion out. Um, so you can close the stress cycle actually by running, by swimming, by biking, by dancing, by engaging in something that's going to get your blood pumping, such as exercise. And they suggest that anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes can really make, make a big difference. It's going to close that stress cycle for you. I know about you, like when you get in an argument or something, it's like you want to just go out and run or you want to like punch, you know, a punching bag or something like that. That's natural. That's because your body is seeking to close that stress cycle. The other thing we can do, and they talk about it within their book, is we can shift our mood. So alternatively, we can create a place that makes us feel safe, like we've had this safe return home. And that can be through creative expression, that can be through painting, it can be through social interactions that make you feel safe. It can be anything that's going to signal to you a safe return home right? So when you've gone in through and you've triggered the stress response, or you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, or just anxious, another way that you can close that loop is to imitate the safe return home, right? This is all pre-wired, hardwired from our hunting and gathering, you know, hardwired in our brain. So the idea here is that your body naturally is programmed to run. It has all the hormones that are going to help us run. Uh, so exercise or movement or dancing or just getting it out is really important. But then also the other part of that too is that mimicking that safe return home, that you're safe, that you're okay, that, you know, you, you talk with someone that makes you feel safe, talk with a, um, a loved one or um, just, you know, massage or calmness in your house or just so like creative expression, social interactions, anything that's going to signal a safe return home. So affection and laughter also provide an opportunity to close that stress cycle. So life is going to present us with a frustrating, stressful things, right? So sometimes we want to manage also the monitors, what they called it, which is in our brain. That's what regulates the emotion of frustration. So they do talk about this within their book and they're saying you can manage frustration through what they call positive reappraisal and plan for problem solving. So that's two separate things, right? So positive reappraisal is a wonderful way to help us manage frustrations in life and therefore stress. And then also plan for problem solving can also help us manage for frustrations and stress. So working out an effective strategy against stress requires, you know, understanding the difference between stress and stressors. So stressors are the things that get you stressed. Um, so they might be like, you know, someone taking your parking spot or, you know, someone not coming home and not calling you all night and you're worried about them. Um, so stressors are basically things that get you stressed. Uh, stress is the experience of it. So once you have the stressors, you feel the sense of stress. So some, some stressors are controllable and some stressors are not controllable. And the idea here is that when we are, stress is a state of emotional and mental strain or tension resulting from an adverse or demanding circumstance. So stressors are the factors that cause that stress. So we want to make sure we know the difference between the two because some stressors are controllable and some are not controllable. 
So let's talk about a couple of things that can help us. So positive reappraisal can help us with uncontrollable stressors. So these are things that we have no control over. So positive appraisal is a way of reframing difficult situations to find positive opportunities, right? It's about looking at the facts and the truth, not in a delusional sort of way, but looking at it from a way is, okay, well, what's possible here? Like, I don't have control over this, but what's possible for me here? What can I do? How can I flip it? How, what can I do here? That's a positive reappraisal. That's looking at something, a stressor that is not in your control. You, you can't do anything about it anyway. So how can you reframe it? How can you look for facts and truth about it, not be in delusion and look what's possible, right? And that really does help with the frustration around things. The other thing we can do is what's called planful problem solving. They talk about it in their book. They can help us with controllable stressors. So analyzing any frustrating situation or any stress that you're going through and look at ways to solve it or even lessen the frustration. So many frustrations, they come from our monitor, our brain, and that monitor mechanism of the brain is constantly accessing like our current situation and also our plans for the future. So our, our brain can get frustrated by problems that are out of our control, just like they can get frustrated from things that are in our control. So this idea here is to lessen the frustration by recognizing when things are out of our control and when things are maybe in our control. And then when things are in our control, we can come up with some planful problem solving. Makes sense, right? So reframe frustrating tasks. Reframing these frustrating tasks are... And just remember, though, sometimes tasks that feel frustrating while you're doing them are actually more rewarding in the end. And they do give us that reminder in the book. And so next time you're in a difficult situation, remember that it's better, it, it, that it's a better chance for personal growth when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling something's challenging you're probably going to have a wonderful opportunity for personal growth from that, right? Than if it were easy. So that's a nice way of reframing it. But, um, but the main message here is this idea of planful problem solving that can help you with things that are controllable. So come up with a solution, analyze the frustrating situations and find ways that you can solve it or simply lessen that frustration and burden. So the next part that they talked about, which I really loved, is called managing your expectations, right? Expectations actually determine the level of our frustration. So we can cope better just by knowing that um, unrealistic expectations, uh, they can create lots of frustration. They can actually cause more stress. So what is it that you're expecting, right? Um, so sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves because we are comparing ourselves with the external world and other people's social media feed or what have you. And in the book, they call this the bikini industry complex, right? Is a complex that you know, it that's really puts a lot of pressure on, especially women to measure up to a certain expectations, but it's rigged because all this industry wants you to feel like you're less than so you can purchase all their products. So they do talk a lot about that within their book. But I think the main message here and the, the key takeaway is managing your expectations can also help you manage frustrations. So society often tells us that, you know, 
the things and messages that make us feel frustrated and make us feel stuck. And sometimes the message too is, you know, if you're feeling stressed, well, just soak in a tub and do your nails and like throw some bath balls in there. But the reality is, is that we might need there's nothing wrong with you when you feel stressed. There's nothing wrong with you if you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And sometimes we might need a little bit more than just bath balls and baths. It's more than that. It's really about honoring the notion that we need to close this stress cycle. We need to um, manage expectations of us and be realistic in what our expectations are for ourselves. And um, this is a really, really important thing because a lot of this pressure to conform or this pressure for unattainable or unrealistic expectations, they're causing huge amounts of stress. And so so they talk do talk a lot about that in their book, and that ca can cause a lot of burnout, exhaustion, and depletion. And uh, in positive psychology, it's called social comparison, which sometimes isn't the greatest. I always say socially compare for inspiration, not to measure yourself on a timeline. Um, okay, so, so what we can do is we can build a resilience to stress. And how we do that is through rest, for, through human connections, through befriend, befriending your inner critic, not being so hard on ourselves and, uh, and, and really focusing on this idea of recovery. And so what you want to do is just know what you want and find your meaning. So according to the father of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, um, you want to focus on the secrets to happiness. One of the secrets to happiness is focusing and finding your meaning. What's important to you? What do you value, right? Um, and this will really help you in your own life and help you with, you know, coping with the stressful world is putting and creating more meaning in your own life and making you feel good with who you are. So, you know, how do you find it? Um, that's a big question, right? Um, and so, and there's the book that I read called um, Down Girl. And it's all about, it's by Kate Mann. And it's all about describing the two classes of people, the human givers and the human beings. And this idea is, is the human givers are expected to devote their time and their attention, their bodies and their like, to others. Whereas the human being is all about connecting to your own self, to your own needs and, and making the world a better place as a result. So people often suffer from human giver syndrome and we fall into that role of human giver rather than tending to our own needs and seeking our own meaning. And so this is really important in order to help us manage stress and expectations. And um, the message that we often receive is that we should be, you know, kind and helpful and giving and pretty and perfect. And um, this idea though, is to tap into your own needs and what brings you meaning? What do you value? And I really encourage you to do that. Um, they also talk about ways to build our resilience to stress is that the fact of life is that we need other people. Other people matter. So we needing people is a fact of life and that we need to 
um, have it go back and forth and feel a sense of, you know, where we're in solitude, but also feeling connected to others. And um, it's really important because we connect to others because they provide us emotional support. They provide us with medical support sometimes, and just really a big amount of sharing information and education. These high quality relationships and connections are so essential for our well-being, and they actually help us manage stress and become more resilient, right? Think about that best friend that you talk about, and you just, you know, sometimes you got to just vent out everything out and just get it out and have a nice conversation or have that conversation like, what? He was in the garage until five o'clock in the morning. They're like, what? That That's not normal. Like, you know that, right? It's almost like it's good for education, connecting and recognizing and also honoring your value. These, these connections are so important. Friends or partners, they can really help you find a compassionate voice and love towards yourself as well and help you manage stress. So rest and sleep obviously are crucial for your health and your productivity and avoiding burnout. So the saying, I love this part, the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is actually faulty. And they talk about this in their book, um, that it causes us to push aside our actual needs. And it's really important to remember that, you know what? It's being kind to yourself. Science tells us what makes us stronger is actually rest and sleep, right? So we must rest between tasks, right? During the rest, the brain can go into that default mode network where the, the brain is, you know, assessing current problems. It's finding solutions. It's really helping us in many ways. So rest is a wonderful way to help us manage stress and be more resilient. So rest is best. Um, they also talk about sh shifting from tasks. It doesn't have to be like, you know, lying down and taking a nap kind of rest. That is one form, but it also can be just shifting from one task to another. So um, in that, what they call that active rest. So when you've been, you know, in one area working on one thing, it's like going out and doing another thing is a form of rest. So that's important too, right? So sleep, your body is wonderful because it's going into repair mode. The brain is time to process new information um, that you've learned in the day and it consolidates and it's stored properly. So rest and sleep are really crucial and important for our, our ability to manage stress and prevent burnout. Um, and also, I love this part in their book, they talk all about controlling what they call the mad woman, but it could be the madman or the inner critic, um, whatever's coming up, because it can be so mean, we can be so mean to ourselves inside our heads. And so they do talk about practicing self compassion, it's the key to feeling strong and being joyful. It's the key to managing stress and, um, and being more resilient. So controlling that voice that's going on inside your head, like you hear the inner critic whenever you have failed at something, um, whenever you feel like you haven't lived up to something. Um, and, you know, it's really important to hear that inner critic and, and name it. So some of the suggestions that they have is um, self-criticism um, is usually we are critical when it's detail oriented. We always seem to focus on like, you know, we didn't do our best or like, wow, you don't look so good or, you know, so 
get that self-critical voice under control. And then that will really help you practice self-compassion. So self-compassion is basically a form of healing. And sometimes that inner critic can be causing more stress and burnout and overwhelm. Um, and so one of the major parts in this book is, and, and to help us with that is to get a hold of that, right? So we can move more towards joy. So taking time to feel grateful towards the people in your life and the good events that are happening each day, taking time to appreciate yourself and speak kindly in kind ways towards yourself, just like you would, you know, uh, just like a loving mother would say to a daughter, or just like your best friend would talk, make sure you're talking that way to yourself as well. So this book was so good, Burnout. It was just incredible because it really does help us. There are so many reasons why we might face burnout. Um, we don't we don't necessarily have to, we might not be closing that stress cycle and we might not even be aware of how often we are stressed. So fortunately, there's things that we can do. We can um, exercise, we can go through creativity, we can practice affection, we can dance. So we live in a really unbalanced society that puts pressure on us that can really feel frustrating. And um, by recognizing these factors and also striking back against that critical inner voice and that that part of us is really hard on ourselves um, we can begin to really ease that pressure we can begin to close that stress cycle and really focus on what's important to us what are our needs what do we value so knowing this information and the importance of closing that stress loop, what are ways that you can close your stress loop? What are you going to add into your life? So will you run? Will you talk through your challenges with a friend? Or will you name that inner mad person or that inner critic? So the idea here is what expectations will you look Will, will you look for? Like what expectations will you look at more effectively and manage those expectations and see where you can be more self-compassionate, right? And really practice that. So there you go. That is that book. It is so fantastic. I hope you enjoyed it. It's all about burnout, the secret to solving the stress cycle, which is closing that stress loop. Thanks everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreasidel.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.